Hi there, friends. A few days ago, I was walking down an aisle in one of our local grocery stores, and I wasn't close to anybody. You know, those times when you're, of course, we're, we're trying to keep our distance, but those days when not much of anybody is around, and suddenly, without much warning, I sneezed. It was not a pretty, soft, feminine sneeze. It was a real sneeze, like sneezy for one of the seven dwarfs. So I was able to catch it in time to sneeze into my elbow. But immediately, a lady that was probably eight, 10 feet away from me that I did not even know was there, she shouted out a sweet, friendly, bless you. How cool is that? Uh, maybe you've been in a situation where a sneeze produced just a chorus of bless yous from total strangers prompted by a sneeze. A blessing prompted by a sneeze. Gesundheit. We've always done it, and it probably happens around the world a million times a day. Is it a social gesture? Is it a meaningless custom? Or is there something in us that is designed by the Creator to bless others? Might there be a biblical basis for this kind of concern for others? Well, certainly God has commanded us to bless one another. The giving of blessing is a fascinating subject to explore and I've been digging in it a little bit. There's a rich, rich biblical tradition of blessing that we Christians don't seem to know much about. Um, it was foundational to the faith of ancient Israel, of the ancient Hebrews. Or uh, some might think that blessing is only for priests or ministers to do in a formal church ceremony of some kind. And, Usually, words of blessing that are heard at the conclusion of a worship service, and even then, it just seems to be a sign that it's over. It's time to go home. The benediction has been said. Let's get out of here. Well, a benediction then is too often interpreted as a signal to leave, when in fact, it really is a blessing that should be handled carefully and treasured by all of those who receive it. I want to learn more about this. And usually when I'm studying to learn more about something, I want to share it with you. I certainly would love to know more about this topic, but I want to share with you what I know and um, just, just see what we can learn from the topic. We know that the Hebrew foundation of the Christian faith that blessings are a key to unlock this treasure. And in the ancient world, people routinely blessed each other. They shared mutual blessings uh, over homes and over children and over events, over property, uh, over travel and work and land and just resources of all kinds. It's just what they did. They blessed each other. Well, blessings were common, but they were not meaningless. They believed that something occurred when they blessed somebody. 
One thing we know for certain is that in a world that is filled with so many curses, so much confusion, so much negativity, there is a profound need for blessing. Let me share with you what I have learned so far. Think with me. Our God is a God of blessing. He's a God of blessing. His original intent for all of creation was blessing. In Genesis chapter 1, beginning in verse 20, God made the waters teem or swarm with living creatures and the Bible says sea monsters. So he filled the waters with all kinds of things and then he put birds in the air and then God saw that it was good. And in verse 22 of chapter 1, it says, And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let birds multiply on the earth. And then, down in verse 26 of chapter 1, God made mankind. And in verse 28, He blessed them. He blessed them. Chapter 5 and verse 2 tells us that He created them male and female, and he blessed them, and he named them. He named them, the Bible says, man, which is translated Adam, and some people say that can also be translated man and maness, man and woman. So he created them, in the, and in the day when they were created, he blessed them. He blessed them. So he is a God who disperses blessings. The word blessing literally means good word, good word. God spoke good words into lives. He actually spoke the gospel to Adam and Eve, uh, this everlasting good news, and he spoke it to them. And these blessings that we're talking about are spoken blessings. The power of the tongue is used. We might talk about that on another day. But among others, we know that God blessed Abraham. God made a covenant with Abraham, and covenant and blessing typically go together. In Genesis chapter 12 and verse 2, God said to Abraham, And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, and so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you, I will curse, and in you all of the families of the earth shall be blessed. In Genesis chapter 22 and verse 18, God said, And in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. So the Abrahamic covenant and blessing, that blessing was an everlasting blessing. It's an everlasting covenant, the impact of which reaches the entire world for all time through Jesus Christ. Abraham was not blessed by God solely for his own personal benefits. Abraham was blessed by God so that all of the nations of the world could be blessed through his seed. In his letter to the Ephesians, that's in the New Testament, Paul makes a profound declaration in the introduction. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3, he says, Blessed 
we say blessed. I don't know why sometimes we say blessed and sometimes we say blessed, but here we usually say blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Paul first blesses God. He began with blessed be or blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he blesses God. Jewish blessings even today <clears throat> begin with the same declaration that was made long before Christ came to earth. It says, blessed are you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe. And when our Jewish friends begin to pray to pronounce a blessing, they begin with that. Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe. They bless God first. That's a good practice for us. So Paul first described a blessing of praise to God himself, the giver of every good, <coughs> excuse me, the giver of every good gift and blessing. The God who blesses with every blessing is himself blessed through praise. It has always been a part of God's nature to bless. He's going to bless. He wants to bless. His intention is to bless. He has always been the source of blessing. The Bible is full of records of God's blessing people. God's blessing nations, blessing lands. And we mostly see it when people approach God in faith and obedience, then he responds with blessing. Blessing is an outworking of God's love. Well, God's blessing initiates a chain reaction of blessings. So here's what happens. The one who is blessed is expected to be a channel through which that blessing can flow into the lives of others. And ultimately, the blessing is returned to God in praise. So God blesses people. We in turn then praise God, blessing him, acknowledging who he is and that he is the giver of all blessings. And then people bless God. So God blesses us. We bless God and bless people. And then people bless God with us, understanding that blessings come from him. The most profound blessing in all of scripture is the one God himself composed. It's a special blessing. And he then established this system whereby this blessing would be placed upon his children. And he gave a solemn command that his plan would be fulfilled in each generation so that all believers in God would be blessed with God's own personal blessing. Turn with me, if you will, to Numbers chapter 6, way back in the Old Testament. It's toward the beginning of your Bible, beginning in verse 24. You will know it. It's very familiar to a lot of people. Songs have been written for it. It's on the front of greeting cards. It's everywhere. So we're very familiar with it. Verse 24, the Lord bless you and keep you the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. 
Now, I want to back up and show you verse 22. <clears throat> then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and to his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the sons of Israel. This is what you'll say to them. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Sometimes this is ref referred to or referenced as what's called the Aaronic blessing, A-A-R-O-N-I-C. And so you immediately see Aaron's name in the first of it. And it may be referred to as the Aaronic benediction because the sons of Aaron were given the responsibility of placing the blessing on the children of Israel. It is God's blessing. I hope you notice that God said, say this. This is the blessing. Pronounce the blessing. So God himself dictated the exact language to Moses. Now I want us to spend some time now studying this blessing. And let's see if we can mine some of its gold. Because sometimes I think that this blessing is so familiar that we often miss the depth of it, the richness of it, the meaning of it. So let's, let's look at it. This blessing is really three blessings in one. You'll notice there are three sentences or blessings, and each one invokes the personal name of God. The Hebrew name is actually four Hebrew consonants. God's personal name. And if we could write Hebrew, if we knew Hebrew, it's going to be Y-H-W-H. It was an unpronounceable name. Um, and so that's his personal name. And then somewhere in the history of all of it, it came to be pronounced as Yahweh. Y-A-W, I'm sorry, Y-A-H-W-E-H. So in order to say it, we've got to have vowels, especially in the English language. So an unpronounceable Y-H-W-H came to be pronounced as Yahweh. Uh, in Jewish tradition, it was such a sacred name that it should not be said out loud. And even today, there are many of our Jewish friends who will not say the name of God or they will not even spell it out completely if they're going to write it because it is so holy and such a, such a special name to them that they just don't utter it out loud. Well, God has no shortage of names. It's fascinating to go through scripture and just start making a list of the names of God. But this particular name stands alone. It's different from the others. It's a special name. Exodus chapter three and verse 15 tells us that it is the name by which God has chosen to be remembered. The name by which God has chosen to be remembered throughout all generations. Go back there and look at it. But for right now, let me just tell you that. God chose this name for himself. Now, the English language does not have an exact translation of the word Yahweh. And in the Old Testament, sometimes you'll see it written as Lord. It's translated as Lord, but all the letters will be capital. And when you see that in your Bible, it's referring to Yahweh. 
and sometimes it's translated Jehovah. And so that's the name. That's God's chosen personal name. And so God uses I am. Remember when Moses said, who am I going to say sent me? And God said, you just tell them I am sent you. That is tied to this name Yahweh. They are interchangeable. God used them interchangeably. So I am in, is one way to translate the name Yahweh. But in our English Bible, uh, God's name is almost always translated Lord or Jehovah. And that's his name. He's chosen that name. So in this blessing, God stamped his personal name in each of the three statements of the blessing. Each statement is from God. Each statement carries equal weight with the other two statements. And so fundamental to knowing God is understanding that there is only one true God. One, Jehovah, Yahweh, Lord. And so this God is eternal. He never had a beginning, nor will he ever end. He is absolute reality. He is totally independent. He depends on nothing or no one to support him or to counsel him or to make him all that he is. He is self-sufficient, independent. Everything in life, everything in the universe depends totally on him, on the Lord. God is constant. He is the same yesterday and today and forever. He cannot be improved. God is the absolute standard of truth and goodness and beauty and every good thing. God is the standard. He is the plumb line. So when we are evaluating our own goodness or holiness, we don't hold ourselves up to other people. We hold ourselves up to God. And that's when we know how short we fall. And that's why we need his grace. We need his salvation. But God is always right and loving. He does whatever pleases him, but it is always good. It is always right. It is always merciful. It is always just. It's always perfect because it is coming from God in whom there are no flaws. The most prominent declaration in Jewish worship is the Shema. Shema. And you will find it in Deuteronomy chapter 6. I think it actually is verses 4 through 9, but they usually only quote verses 4 and 5. And it says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And then it goes on and says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. That's where Jesus got it in the New Testament when they said, what is the greatest commandment? And he, he answered pretty much with the Shema. So this one God is made manifest in three persons. It's what we call the Trinity. Uh, this one God is made up of three different revelations of God. 
It's very difficult to understand. It's difficult to describe. Um, it could be something as simple, and, and, and I'm, you're almost afraid to describe it because it's so holy, but just like you've got water and you've got ice and you've got steam, they're all H2O, two parts hydrogen, one part oxygen, but they're different revelations of the same H2O. Water, liquid, steam, gas, ice, frozen, solid. And so kind of think about it like that. I'm one person, but I have a mind, I have a will, I have emotions, and all of those different things make up one me. And so there is one God. He is made manifest in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. These three are one God. They are co-equal. They're equal to one another. Um, they are eternal, all of them. And so they have exactly and precisely the same nature and the same attributes with each other. And they all go together to be one God. They are distinct, yet they act as unity. It's kind of fascinating to study the Trinity because you had Jesus always doing what the Father wanted. And the Father always concerned about his son, Jesus, and you've got them working together and then comes the Holy Spirit and he says, look, I've shown up to show you Jesus. And so there's an interacting, an inner working among the Trinity. And so they act as one. And so in this blessing, we see these three persons. We see God's three persons in this blessing. Look at the beginning. The first one says, the Lord bless you and keep you. Now remember the word Lord, it is God's chosen personal name. The Lord bless you and keep you. Now this first part is from God the Father. From God the Father. This is a blessing from God the Father. The words are rich. And sometimes because I like words, I can get out my study books and, and just study the word. And the word bless is such a rich word. You know what the word bless means? You know, usually I guess when I think of bless, I think of somebody placing their hand on your head or saying something good or saying bless you when you sneeze. But this word bless literally means to kneel as an act of adoration, speaking and giving things of value and speaking well of. Let me say it again. Bless means to kneel as an act of adoration and to speak and give things of value and to speak well of. It's a beautiful picture. It's a stunning picture to think of the Lord doing that to you or to me. Keep. The Lord bless you and keep you. That word keep means to hedge about as with thorns. It means to protect or to guard, or to pay attention to something. So he first says, God the Father will bless and keep you. The Father blesses and keeps. He has done everything possible to provide blessings, and he guards and protects his children. Number two, the second sentence or blessing says, the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. It is Jesus Christ 
God's Son, who put a face on the Father. We see the Father, the people who saw Jesus, experienced Jesus walking on earth in physical form, knew what God looked like when they saw Jesus. John chapter 14 and verse 9, Scripture tells us that when one saw Jesus, he saw the Father. And then John 1.18 says, No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son has revealed Him. So Scripture tells us if you want to see God, if you want to know God, if you want to know what He looks like, what He thinks like, how He interacts with humanity, look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 13 says, The Son, Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His being. So God the Father, God the Son, same substance, same essence, same mind, same heart, same intention. So it is Jesus who causes the face of God to shine on humanity. John chapter 1 and verse 17 says that grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So this second part of this priestly blessing comes from Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It is Jesus Christ's unique function to reveal the Father. So the Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Now that word, the Lord make His face, face means His countenance, His favor, His presence. The Lord make His countenance or His presence shine. That means to illuminate as the break of day. Let His presence dawn on you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious. What is that word gracious? Kind of like the word bless. It means to bend or stoop in kindness to an inferior to favor and show mercy upon. Grace. Think about that. To bend or stoop in kindness to an inferior so that he can favor them and show mercy upon them. So the Lord make his face, his countenance, his favor to illuminate you as he bends or stoops in kindness because we are inferior to him so that he can favor us and show us mercy. Number three, the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Word lift is interesting. The Lord lift. That word means to burn. Or a synonym would be to exact or to cast a countenance. To burn, to exact, to furnish, to stir up, or to cast. So the Lord exact or cast on you countenance. Countenance means his presence, his favor. His face. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. My goodness, we could spend a whole lesson on the word peace. In the Hebrew, it is the word shalom. 
shalom. And it's not just the absence of conflict, it includes that, but shalom is a huge word that includes so many things and it includes health and prosperity and wholeness and safety, restoration, all things good that are whole, that build up, that include absence of conflict. And so the first one's the Father, the second blessing is the Son, and the third blessing is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the person of God who proceeds from the Father and the Son, and He engages the hearts of believers. He woos man into God's presence. He is God's convicting power in our hearts. He is God's presence in the world to work. He is the agent of God's peace. The, he, he is the one who brings us, who gives us shalom, the shalom of God. Romans 5, chapter 5, tell, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 5, verse 5, tells us that the love of God is poured into believers' hearts by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is busy. He is working. He is fulfilling the will of God the Father and Jesus the Son. And in the process of that, he tells us that he is here to glorify the Son. He glorifies Jesus. Now, certainly the Holy Spirit is God, but he's giving all of his glory to Jesus, to Jesus. So in this powerful blessing, in this threefold, sometimes called the triune blessing, we see the blessing of God the Father, the blessing of God the Son, and the blessing of God the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to look with me here in Numbers chapter 6. I want you to look at verse 27. Now, I'm going to start reading in verse 22 to give you the context and just let you see the flow of what God is saying. Verse 22. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and to his sons, saying, Thus shall you bless the sons of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Now watch verse 27. It's important. So... Or in this way, they shall invoke or put my name on the sons of Israel, and then I will bless them. Think about that. By pronouncing this blessing, God is saying that they are putting his name on the sons of Israel, and when they do, God will bless them. God will bless them. What a powerful blessing. So God told Moses that when the blessing was spoken over the children of Israel, God's own personal name, the power of the name, God's own personal name would be placed upon them. And when his name was placed upon them, he himself would bless them. Now, I don't know all I need to know or all I want to know about this, but I want to tell you something interesting that I learned. I find it intriguing and so 
true of God to be so intricate. In the Hebrew, <clears throat> the first sentence, the Lord bless you and keep you, is three words in the Hebrew. That number three is associated with the, with the divine. Whenever we see the number three, we think God. It's kind of like, a, kind of like God's initial or God's fingerprint. Three words in the Hebrew in the first sentence. In the second sentence, there are five Hebrew words. The number five is the biblical number that is usually associated with grace. Where do we get grace from? The Lord Jesus Christ. And so what does he say in, in the second part? He will be gracious. The Lord will make his face shine and be gracious to you. He will show you grace. So those are five words that usually are associated with grace. And then the third sentence, seven words. Seven words. That word, we know that to be the number of perfection or completion. So some scholars say that here it corresponds to the seven spirits of God, because this is the Holy Spirit. Um, the Holy Spirit flows. That is referred to in Revelation chapter 4 and verse 5, where the seven spirits of God are at work, and the Holy Spirit is flowing through those seven spirits. Three, five, and seven. The intricacies of God. I can't explain it. I don't know Hebrew. I just want you to know it because I know it. And I read it and I studied it and I went, wow. Remember in an earlier lesson, we talked about the inspired, infallible, inerrant word of God that is God breathed through the writers. And oh my goodness, if we could just grasp what all is here and the way it's written and how he's given it to us and how God has guarded this word over all of these years. Well, it's talking about blessing the sons of Israel. Invoke my name on the sons of Israel. And so I thought, well, is this blessing for Christians? Can we be included in this blessing? Can we, as Christians, use this blessing? Well, I believe so, and I'm going to tell you why. The Bible teaches us that believers, New Testament believers in Christ, are descendants of Abraham by faith. When we become Christians, all of the promises and blessings of God that are in the Abrahamic covenant become ours through the Lord Jesus Christ. We're taken into his family. We're born again. And so in that sense, we are the seed of Abraham with these genetic Hebrews. God commanded that his children would be blessed from one generation to the next. It's fascinating, this, this blessing was to come in perpetuity, one generation for another generation for another generation. It challenges my heart to say, have we pronounced this blessing on the generation to follow us? Did the generation before us pronounce this blessing on us? It's a solemn fact, it's a serious command. 
And so God commanded that his children would be blessed from generation to generation in perpetuity with this blessing that he gave to Moses to be passed on. Now, understand this, the blessing itself has no magical power. Uh, the blessing itself, so this, this is not magic. This is God. This is God. And it, it's not the priest who does it. The priest doesn't have any magical power or it's not a person speaking the blessing. It's not it. It comes from the fact that God keeps his word and God blesses our obedience. And so as we're obedient and do this, then God is going to bless. It is his blessing. It is his work. It's his thing to do. So we're not to bow before another person. We bow before God and he's the one who says, I will bless them. You speak this, I, I, God, Yahweh, the Lord, will bless them. As we carry out this command, this action in obedience to God's instruction, he will bless. He said he would. He will bless. Sometimes when I try to look up and study the meanings of words in the original language or languages in scripture, there are often synonyms or other English translations of the same original word. So I may take that word that I'm studying and see what synonyms there are for it in some of the word study books that I have, see what the synonyms are, but also look at other scriptures that use that same original word and see how that scripture translates the word into English. And so when I do that, I just make a list of the synonyms, the translations of that one word. And so then I try to write a verse out in my own language for my own learning to, to using those synonyms. And so it helps me just learn it. It helps me get it in my mind. And so I want to read to you how I have written this triune blessing using those synonyms from the original words. May the Lord, Yahweh, Jehovah, our God, Bend down to adore you as his child and hedge you about with his protection. May the Lord God through his son, Jesus Christ, turn his face toward you, revealing his favor, his presence, and his countenance as luminous as the rising sun at the break of day, set on fire, by his glory as he gives you his grace and mercy in all his kindness. May the Lord God through his Holy Spirit cast and exact the Lord's presence and favor upon you and give you the fullness of his shalom. Those words stun my heart. When, when I think of this picture of the Lord God bending down to adore you as his child, 
bending down to adore me as his child. And as he's doing that, he's putting a hedge of protection around you. And then for the Lord Jesus to turn his face toward you and reveal his presence and his favor and to know that that's going to be as bright as the breaking of day. It's going to show up in your life. It's going to show up in your countenance. It's going to show up in your mouth and what you think and in what you do and how you walk, how you treat people. He will show up and it comes from his grace and his mercy and his kindness, his loving kindness. And then the Holy Spirit is the one who will exact the Lord's presence and favor upon you. And oh my goodness, to know the fullness of shalom, health, wholeness, restoration, purpose, absence of conflict, peace of God, and peace with God. The Word of God says, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Let's don't let those words be so familiar that we miss their depth. Let's think about it and get before the Lord. You take your family, take your children and bless them. I wanna bless you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen.